0: Where's Damon at? Come on up, Damon. So, for branches, just kind of an introduction uh, for those that are visiting the family that's here. What we've been doing as a church over the past, uh, it's been a month or two, is every Sunday we've been praying for a another church in Warsaw. And our, what our hope is that through us praying and reaching out to other churches saying, hey, what is it that we could be praying for you about? that we're, we want to build some unity in our community. I didn't even think about that, but that's how that's poetic I am. Um, but we want our goal is that the churches would be united in such a way that, that we represent Jesus to the community of Warsaw as one, as one big church. And we're not individual little we's and they's and us and them's but we're one big church so we've been praying for a different church each each week and so Damon he 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 called and said Tom let's pray for the church that um he was a part of at one point he served at and always when somebody suggests to me something they get to do it so Damon will will introduce this church and pray for
1: him of y'all <laughs> no um trust me I'm thinking the exact same thing you guys are why is Tom letting me up here? Uh, so pray for Tom about that. But really, um, Trinity Lighthouse, it's, it's really a foundation of my spirit. It's where uh, my wife and I was married at, where uh, both my kids, baptized, dedicated, um, spent a lot of my ministry time there. Um, Glenn and Linda has been a, or an influential part of my life, uh, like a mother and father figure to me. Uh, But when I called him, because they're older people, they don't do email or text messaging. So I called him, and he was down in eastern Kentucky preaching a revival. That was only supposed to be a week long, and he was on week two. So um, I talked to him, and I... Told him everything that we're doing, and I said, "How can we pray for you?" And the very first thing he said was, "How can we pray for you?" I was like, "No, you can't answer a question with a question." But he said that he really would like to see wisdom go through the church, but most importantly, that the Holy Spirit just takes over everything. Um, it's kind of—it was kind of funny to me that he said wisdom. Because, you know, you see his hair, it's kind of like mine. That's a whole lot of wisdom in that man. But really, it's just a really influential part of the church to really have the Holy Spirit move through it. He said he, wants the Holy, he just needs the Holy Spirit to just take over everything. And I'm not sure what time it is, but um, depending on what time it is, they are actually praying for branches right now. So if we could, just come together and we'll pray for Lighthouse. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for the people that you placed in the church. Thank you for uh, Brother Glenn and Sister Linda, which they love to be called. But most importantly, just touch them, touch their people, touch the leaders that they have in place, that your power, your name, and your love can be moved through the community. As we're praying together, Father, just send the Holy Spirit. That it may move through each and every person there. That it may touch each and every one. That they can all become beacons of your love in this community. Just as we need you, they need you. For not one foot can be placed in front of the other without you. So we pray together as a community, as your church, that you can touch them as we all pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Thanks, Damon. So just a couple other quick announcements. Um, Jack, raise your hand, Jack. Jack is standing. Jack's going back to prison next weekend, so um, you guys can say goodbye to him, but Jack's part of a ministry, and they go into the prisons, and they do a whole weekend program, and one of the things that they do is they take cookies in for every single person who's in the federal prison, so the problem is, is that you just can't bake cookies and bring them, they have to be very specific um, the ingredients, how they're packaged, everything is, has to be very specific to be able to pass through in order to make it to the inmates. So, Jack will be standing out back after service. He has the the ingredients and the recipes for making the cookies, and we want to just make a ton of, ton of cookies. We could probably do a hundred dozen, I would imagine, because each batch makes five dozen. So, 20 people say yes, there's a hundred dozen. So meet Jack after the service in the back, grab one of his recipes, make the cookies, bring them here Wednesday after 3 o'clock. If you come Wednesday after 3 o'clock, drop them off, somebody will be here, and then Jack will come pick them all up and take them down to prison next weekend, okay? And be praying for Jack as he's in prison, just loving on, on the inmates in there. Um, every year we do a, a, a drive to just gather food to give to one of our local um, community services, to feed people that just will not have a Thanksgiving dinner. So in the back outside, there's a table, there's a card like this. On the back is the what what you would purchase to make up one basket, one meal for for a family. It costs $25. We would um, grab one of these, f- fill it. You could bring it in any Sunday over the next two Sundays. By the 12th of, of November, we'll need to, um, we'll need to deliver those so that they can be passed out to the families, okay? And then tonight, if you anybody's invited to come to our fall party, it's going to be a great time. Dress warm, bring a a chair if you don't want to sit on a metal wooden nasty chair, bring a chair or you can sit on, is it straw or hay, I always forget, a bell of straw. You can sit on a bell of straw. It's going to be a great time. Face painting for the kids and all kinds of fun and and great food and, and of course the chili. And I love this time of year because it finally got cold and I love it because when it gets cold, the hunting gets good. And the football gets good. Did anybody watch football yesterday? Yesterday was a great day for college football, wasn't it? A great day for college football. Here's what I recognize. Every team has a motto. Every team has some sort of slogan that they live by. So if you're a Purdue fan, who's a Purdue fan in here? Raise your hands. What is Purdue's motto? motto? What do you guys say? At (laughs) At least you tried? Is that what you say? I'm not the one that said it this time. You say, boil her up, right? Boil her up. It's up there. I don't know what that means, but you guys say it, and it's awesome. Is there anybody in here that's an Alabama fan? Nobody. Because they're the number one team in the nation right now. Do you guys know what? What do they say? Roll Tide. The hints are up there, right? Now, if you root for the same team I root for and God roots for, The Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Fans? Absolutely, yeah. We're on God's team. What do, what do we say? What do we say? Play like a champion today, right? You know that slogan that their motto, their, their statement has been used all over the world in all different variations because God's word, God's word spreads and it doesn't return void. I love it. Yesterday's game was awesome. We have, a, we have a motto here at Branches. We have a mission statement. And, and, and this is our mission statement, that we love God, we love others, and we make disciples. And this is, you know, periodically I feel like we need to revisit this mission statement as a church um, and as in individuals because I believe that this mission statement is exactly what Jesus told us to do as followers of him, as disciples of him. And 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 what I what I my hope is is that this mission statement you know if you if you're a first time visitor here and you get a a, a bag we have a new coffee cup and on it it says love God love others make disciples and that's great if you see our big banner out on the wall it says love God love others makes disciples all all our brochures we say this and my hope is it doesn't stop there. My hope is that as a church, we don't just plaster that on our walls and on our coffee mugs and on our our, our, our you know website and that sort of thing, and that's where it stops. What I really hope is that we as a church make that our personal life's desire and goal and motto, and, and, and we as a church, when we plan things, when we... When we you know, set schedules, we always base it off of, is this something that's loving God? Is this something that's loving others? Or is this something that's going to make disciples? So when we build our schedule, it fits into those one of those three categories. If you've been monitoring my messages, which I hope you haven't been, but if you have, since day one, I've preached one of three messages. There's always a punchline or a take-home at the end of the message, and it's what? To love God, or it's to love others, or it's let's go make disciples. It's... it's it's the Christian walk. It's what it's what Jesus when he was here, what he told his disciples, what he preached, what he what he what passed on to us. And it's simple. It shouldn't be that hard. I, I feel like sometimes as as Christians, we make the Christian walk more difficult than what it is. We, we we add a bunch of stuff or we make it, you know, real real like just mucky instead of, hey, let's just love God, love others, let's make disciples. And where we get that from is, you know, Jesus was was you know when he was here on earth he was being challenged by the religious elite and one of them said you know what's the what's the the greatest commandment to follow and in Matthew chapter 22 here's what he replied to them he said you must love the lord your god with all your heart all your soul and all your mind and one of the things that has come into clear focus for me as a follower of god and as a as a person that's trying to lead this church is that if we do not love god with everything we are, there's not a whole lot of reason for us to exist. If, if that's not who who I am, who, who I'm endeavoring to be, what my focus is... For me, as a follower of Jesus, and, and as I lead this church, that I say we first and foremost need to recognize that God's love is unconditional for us. There's nothing, like Dave said, there's nothing that our past dictates, that, that our, what, where we're at today, what our future will dictate, that will change God's love for us. That we can, we can look and love God and make that first and foremost in our life. Then there's not, not a whole lot of reason to exist. And so... So for me, what I want to be is a person who loves God unconditionally. That everything that's in my heart, in my soul, in my mind, is, is, is moving towards loving God. And so, so that's where we get that. The second part, in the same section of Scripture, Jesus said to love your neighbor as yourself. And what I realized is that when I'm consumed with loving God, that enables me to love other people, because I'm a selfish person, how many of you would just admit that you're a selfish person, every hand should go up in this room, because we, it's just in us, we are selfish people, I'm selfish, I, I'm really happy to let everybody do stuff for me, to be served, to, to just live life, and let my family take care of all the business, that, so I go watch football on Saturdays, and, and I recognize that, and, and for me to fully love others, I need to walk in humility. And if I'm going to walk in humility, the type of humility I need to walk in is the humility that comes from me first having a focus on God. When I have my focus on God, that allows me to then turn and love others as I love myself. And so that's where we get this part of our mission statement, that we love God and we love others. We get it from here in Matthew chapter 22. And then the last part of our mission statement, which I want to kind of focus on for the next few minutes, is that we say that we make disciples. I just want to just kind of look at what that means. And we find this in Matthew chapter 28. Here's what Jesus told his disciples. He said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so this morning we're going to have this baptism and we're going to be baptizing two disciples. And like David said, the past two years when we've had baptisms, there's always been one or two people that are sitting amongst the congregation that realize, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus and I've never been baptized and I want to declare to the world that I'm a follower of Jesus and we've always had one or two people at the end of the service come up and say, "Can you baptize me also?" And the answer is yes. So through this service and through the baptism, if you've never been baptized, but you're a follower of Jesus and you say, I want to declare that today, I want to let everybody know that Jesus is, is my Lord and Savior, then by all means, you could be baptized. We've, we've learned from the past, so we have extra towels, so you will at least get to dry off before you get into your car soaking wet, and... Um, That'll be available, but we have two people that are going to get baptized, and these are people that are, are, are declaring, I'm a disciple of Jesus, and I want to be baptized. And so, and so when we look at that, and when Jesus says to go and make disciples, what I realize is he's speaking to his disciples, and he's giving them their, their mission for their life. And this is something that is transferable back to us, that when Jesus said that to his disciples, he's saying it to anybody who says that they're a disciple of Jesus, of him, that as a follower of him, then your mission in life is go and make other disciples. And so if I was to ask you today, are you a disciple of Jesus, probably in your head you would say, well, absolutely I am. And if I was to ask you why, what we might say today is, well, because I said a prayer one time, and then I said, I invited Jesus into my heart. And so I said a prayer, and therefore I'm a disciple. And if I said, well, are you making disciples? Yeah, I try and get other people to say the prayer. And that's how I make disciples. And, I, and when Jesus is talking about being a disciple in biblical times, and what we have watered down or, or, or made making disciples are kind of two different things. So in biblical times, when a person... Made a, was made a disciple or a follower of somebody, it, a lot of times it was a kid. A young boy, 13, 14 years old, he's studied at home, he's, he's, he's memorized the Torah, and he's looking to follow a rabbi or a spiritual leader, if we're looking in the Jewish community, to grow in and, and his knowledge of, of who God is and grow into a ministry place. And so a rabbi would come to him and say, follow me. And that young person would drop what he's doing, leave house and home, and go live with his teacher 24 hours a day. He would would follow that person wherever he walked. There's this saying that that a disciple would walk in the dust of his teacher. And, And the picture you would get is that he would follow so closely behind his teacher that the dust that was stirred up from the robe and the feet of the teacher would, would consume that guy. But the, the spiritual picture we could have is that every word that that teacher taught consumed and became part of that, that young student. Every, everything that that teacher did, that the student would observe, and it would become part of them. And so as a disciple, you were you were endeavoring to be like that person you were following. So as disciples of Jesus to be a true disciple, we should be walking in the dust of Jesus and endeavoring to be like Jesus. A disciple in in the biblical days, a lot of times it, it, they would become so much like the person that they followed that it was obvious who they were following. They didn't have to walk around and say, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a follower of so-and-so. It was obvious. you, you must follow this guy because of the way you carry yourself, because of the words that come out of your mouth, because of the way you do life, it's obvious that you follow this person. And so you don't have to go around proclaiming who you are. What's in your life and what's coming out becomes evidence that you're a disciple of this person. So, so take a look at this person. Tell me who you think this person is on the, on the screen. Does anybody know who that guy is? You can yell it out. Peyton Manning, right? And what does Peyton Manning do? What's that? (laughs) He runs Papa John's. He does commercials and cool jingles. We know that Peyton Manning is a football player, right? But how do we know Peyton Manning is a football player? Did Peyton Manning call you and say, I'm Peyton Manning, and I'm a football player? He did not need to, right? We know what Peyton Manning is because we have seen in his lifestyle what he does. We know that this guy studied the game of football. He is a master as a quarterback. I I used to kind of hate on Peyton Manning because I kind of thought he was a whiner on the field. But then I realized that this guy is so tuned in with how this game plays. I think, I don't, somebody, I don't know, somebody who preached recently said that Peyton Manning, during one of the Super Super Bowl or something, it was raining, I'm going to mess it up, but the other team was fumbling Peyton Manning did not fumble the ball. The reason he did not fumble the ball is that he practiced for months with soaked footballs. He would soak footballs and then go out and practice with them so that when he got into a situation where there was a rain day, he knew how to handle a wet football. Peyton Manning is a football player, and we know he's a football player, not because he's told us, but because it's evident of his life. Look at this guy. I like this next guy. Bob Ross. What does Bob Ross do? He paints happy little trees, right? And we know he paints happy little trees because he's done it. His life shows that he painted it. (laughs) I'm pausing because there's something I want to say. I'm just wondering if it's appropriate. Saturday mornings, you could watch, (laughs) yeah, probably not. You could watch Bob Ross. And... I googled Bob Ross, and if so, if you go look at my computer in there, at my history from Tuesday or Wednesday, you will see what I googled about Bob Ross. So what I wanted to know was, with Peyton Manning, with Bob Ross, can you become a follower of these guys? And the answer is yes. You could become a disciple of Peyton Manning and go to Peyton Manning's football passing camp. Bob Ross, you can take a class from a certified Bob Ross instructor and learn to paint just like Bob Ross. So you can make paintings and you can see, you know, people say, you must have learned from the master Bob Ross. One of the things I found about Bob Ross that was interesting is he never liked his afro. He hated his afro, but he did it to save money on haircuts. And he also um, mastered from from his teacher, he was a disciple of another man, he mastered the art of painting wet on wet. So that's why when you watch a 30-minute show and he finishes the painting and it's, the colors aren't all, he mastered how he could paint, put wet paint on top of wet paint with, and keep it without it blending and that sort of thing. But if you were to check my Google, I would say one of the things I typed in was, did Bob Ross smoke pot? Because that guy is so mellow, and he was known to be a fast painter. And I thought, who would have an Afro like that and talk like he did and not consume cannabis? (laughs) That's the things I do when I'm prepping a message. (laughs) Look at this next guy. Who's this guy? Not that guy. Who's this guy? The next guy. There you go. Who's this guy? Billy Graham. Graham. And what does Billy Graham do? He preaches the gospel. He evangelizes. Millions and millions and millions of people have heard the gospel from this man. And he doesn't have to walk up to you and say, hi, I'm Billy Graham. You know, I'm a a preacher. I'm a Christian. We know it by his life. Do you get what I'm getting at here? That as a disciple of somebody, you become like that person. When you become like that person, you don't have to walk around announcing you're that person because it's just evident in your life. And, and if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, it should be evident in our life. We should not have to announce it. I call this my football jersey theory. Okay? And, and here's why I call it that. When I was in high school, my senior year, I played for the Ramona Rams. Now, this is in Southern California. And we went to the championship game. So, so in California, the way high school football is broken up, it's not like here where you go to state. You go to a championship game. It's, it's equivalent to you know Warsaw right now is marching their way towards state they won they won Friday night i think they have two more games and they go to the state game we went to the state game it was a big deal i was actually a pretty good player and i remember at this game it was at a college you know kind of in a bowl type you know stadium so different than your standard high school espn was up there announcing the game recruiters were there it was a big deal but here's what i found during the course of the high school my high school senior year On Saturdays, I would see guys wearing their football jersey around town. Now, these guys that I would see wearing around town, frankly, were the bench warmers. And I devised this theory or this reason why they did it was that after a big game on Friday night, they would want to announce to people, hey, I'm on that team also. I'm part of that team also. And the way you announce it is that you wear your team, your jersey for the day. And so I'd see these guys walking around wearing their jersey. And I, and I came up with this thought that as Christians, a lot of times we wear our jersey around because we have to let people know that we're Christians. See, the guys on the team that played well, they didn't have to wear their jerseys. They were known by, by their play. Their names were announced when a good play was done over the loudspeaker on the field. Their names were in the paper. Their, name, their pictures were in the paper. People knew, hey, there's so-and-so. He's on the team. But the bench warmers had to let people know, hey, I'm on the team. And, and so my question is, are you a, a, do you wear your football jersey, your Christian jersey around to let people know you're a disciple of Jesus, or do people know you're a disciple of Jesus because of who you are and how you carry yourself? Does that make sense? I worked at this this company. Um, it was actually right before we moved here to Indiana. There was 40, about 40 employees. In that that company of 40 employees, I was one of four Christians, at least known Christians. The rest, if they were, they didn't blow their cover. And so, um, one of four Christians, and the four of us, we knew we were Christians, we we encouraged each other, there was times where stuff was happening in the work where we chose to leave and go to lunch together and not be a part of what was happening at work because it, it went against our faith, and, um... We endeavored to live out a good testimony at this job. There was one of the four Christians who was really vocal about the fact that he was a Christian. And, and frankly, it, it frustrated the other three of us because he always talked about how he was a Christian. He always complained about what the, the non-Christians of the, of the um, company would do. But then he would always whine and moan and complain about life and what was going on. And I remember one time we were sitting, not all 40 of us, but, you know, 10 or 15 of us sitting around a table at lunch in the break room, and he started in on his thing. And one of the non-Christians of the group stood up and said, you know what, you are the most miserable Christian I have ever known. And at that point, I just remember my head sinking, thinking this guy just ruined the testimony of the, the other three of us that were trying to walk it out. Because he was so mouthy about being a Christian, yet his lifestyle just just erased everything we had. And I thought that's not what being a disciple is. Being a disciple of Jesus, people know I'm a follower of Jesus because the dust of Jesus is on me. So I'm going to wrap this up. And we're going to land this plane, but I just want to talk real quick about just three three ways that if you if you say I'm a I'm a I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a disciple of Jesus. Just three things that we can. You can say, is this evident in my life, that I think every follower of Jesus has. So a disciple of Jesus is a worshiper. I think fundamentally that to follow Jesus is to worship Jesus. And when I mean worship him, I mean worship him at all times. Not when you feel like it, not when the music is really good or the band's doing great or the volume's perfect, not when you like the song, but your life is a lifestyle of worship. We worship Jesus at all times. We don't worship Jesus. You know, we live in this world that tells us, you know, that we can worship anything we want. So a lot of times what will happen is we'll come and worship Jesus on a Sunday morning, but Monday through Friday we'll worship our paycheck or our job, right? We allow other things to become the worship in our life, but a, a disciple of Jesus worship Jesus. Do you remember when Jesus was having that conversation? One of my favorite stories with the Samaritan woman at the well and, and she started in with this, you know, you Jews worship in Jerusalem and we Samaritans worship here on our mountain and this and that. And what did Jesus say? He said, hey, there's this time coming where it's not going to matter whether you worship here or we worship there. What's, what God's looking for is true worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. And when I think about that spirit and truth, that's a big topic. But just in a simple way, when I, when I think about worshiping Jesus in spirit and truth, Jesus said for me to worship and love God with all my heart, soul, and mind. So I think in my spirit, my, my heart and my soul is a worshiper of Jesus. My mind, my intellect, what, what I like to make become, make truth, how I, how I view things, always is focused on worshiping Jesus. If I'm a disciple of, of Jesus, I'm a worshiper of Jesus. If I'm a disciple of Jesus, I'm a servant. The Jesus we are to worship was a servant. In John, Jesus kneels down and starts washing his disciples' feet. This was a job that was left for the lowliest of servants, to clean the feet after you've been walking out in the dusty streets. And Jesus kneels down to do this. Now, for me, thinking, I'm going to worship Jesus, the Jesus I want to worship, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for my Jesus to be a servant. It didn't make a whole lot of sense for Peter either. Remember, Peter said, no, no you're not going to wash my feet, Jesus. And Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, I don't have any part of you. And Peter got it. Peter said, okay, wash it all then. And, and Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. So if I'm a disciple of Jesus, I'm a servant. I'm looking out for the needs of others. I'm serving in areas where people need to be served. I'm helping out. I'm, I'm putting others in front of me. A couple of weeks ago, I went away, and I try to do this once a year, where I, I go away and just ask God for direction for branches for 2018. And one of the things God told me very specifically for myself was, Tom, you need to serve. You need to be a greater servant to the people of branches. And I, and I, I mean, that was just something that was very clear. God gave me four things, three that I thought were specifically for me that I need to imp- apply into my life and then one for the church. And, and as the week went on, God said, these are for you, but these are also for the church. And so we'll, we'll talk about those as we roll into 2018. But one of the things was that we need to be greater servants in Warsaw. I need to be a greater servant to the people that are in front of me. I need to be a disciple of Jesus, show Jesus in my life by serving other people. So, so a, a disciple of Jesus is a worshiper. A disciple of Jesus is a servant. And then finally, a disciple of Jesus is a witness, and that brings us back around to our mission statement that we make disciples. That we make disciples. Jesus says, Go. And what does that mean? It means get up off our seat, get moving, get into relationship with people, and be a witness. We first be a witness by, like what we talk about, we take off the jersey, we stop telling people who we are, and people see who we are because we love people, because they see the love that we have for God coming out in the way we love others. Our life tells people that there's something different about us. Our lifestyle tells people that that we're followers of Jesus. And then we tell people about Jesus. We invite them into the relationship that he wants to have with them. That's what making a disciple is. We make disciples by inviting them into the relationship. We walk with them and we, we help them get the dust of Jesus on them. And this morning what, we've, what we have is we have two people and hopefully some more that say, I want to announce to the world that I'm a disciple of Jesus. I want to say that I am a follower of Jesus, that Jesus is my Lord, my Savior, and I'm walking with him. I want him to shine through me. And so Brooke and, and Victor, if you guys want to come on up, <laughs> we're going to do the the the... Baptism now and, and let me just tell you how we do baptism here at branches so for us this is a, this is a, a celebration this is something to be excited about this is something to cheer this is something to to encourage about okay so so we have a video for each person we'll show the video for that one specific person and we'll baptize them and then the, and then we'll show the video for the next and Victor's going to go first if your family or friends of Victor, please come up and join in this. This is not something to sit down. When, it's, when we're going to baptize Brooke, come up and let's surround and let's, let's cheer them on as they come up out of the water because they're, they're, they're saying, just like Jesus was buried and raised to walk with new life, I am saying to the world that my sins are forgiven. They're being buried in this water. And when I come up, I'm a a follower of Jesus and I'm announcing to the world. So, So when it's time, family, friends, everybody, we could just gather around. The only thing we want to do is leave like one lane right here open so if you're standing you can stand back here or stand up here but we need it for because we're trying to get really good photography and for if you, those that are not coming up can see but we want to we could just gather all around so so this is victor and and victor we'll show your video and then we'll baptize you okay
2: hi my name is victor tovar Alex like sports I my favorite thing to do is basketball and football, and I'm ten years old. I'll tell you a little story. Um, I was at church or Sunday school, and I we were praying, and I like after that when uh, that day after I had um, I went to school, and I had like this feeling that I was like um, there was this bright light and there was angels. And, and I, that night I was sleeping and I had a dream about God, Jesus, and heaven. My life before I met Jesus was bad, but also not like bad, bad, but it was not good. What I mean by that is like, uh, I had, I had done bad things, but also I'd done good things at like, kind of at the same time, but also not at the same time. Like it with, I would used to be mean to other people but that's because they were mean to me so probably it's kind of like payback or revenge which is not a good thing my life after meeting him is better than before and one thing that I like about being a Christian is I uh, you I get to go up to heaven instead of that down there and uh, and another thing is that I get to learn about God, and um, I, uh, God forg- forgives my, or Jesus forgives my sin because he died on the cross for us. Now that I am a Christian, I feel that I'm safe and I'm with God, and I feel more peace and um, hope in me. is when you go underwater and then you come back up and all your sins are, are washed away. Like, it's not literally, but it's um metaphor, right? And it's a metaphor. And it's a saying that, it, like, the water washes all the, your sins away and you're a new person, but not, like, a little, literally a new person. Not like a newborn child or something like that. I'm getting baptized because uh, all my sins will get washed away. And when I go down, I go down to the under the water and I come back up, I'll be a new person.
0: This is Brooke Garber. She's 28 years old, and I'm her mom, Shar, and she lives in Winona Lake. Well, Brooke loves to walk, and she also loves animals, and she works with dogs and cats, and she grew up riding horses. So she's been really involved with a lot of animals. She doesn't have any of her own at home right now, but she's making friends with the
2: neighbor's dogs. I
0: love the church, and I've always enjoyed being part of this church family. I was introduced to Jesus early in my life, and it was through attending youth group that I made my own decision to believe. Jesus has always been with me, and I think it's time to show him and all my family and friends what that looks like in my life. I'm definitely happier, and have peace and joy because of
2: what God has done for me.